Welcome back to the Terminal Exchange, the official podcast of Newsbomb Transportation, where we explore key issues and compelling stories in the trucking industry. I'm your host, Dayton Rumble, and you're listening to episode 109, I Was a Stranger and You Welcomed Me. We all need hope. We all need to be inspired. Home Sweet Home Ministries aims to do that. They are another benevolence partner with Newsbomb, and Matt Burgess, their CEO, joins me today. Did he really sell his car to John Mellencamp? Find out today as we do Two Truths and a Lie and talk about the different programs that Home Sweet Home Ministries offers. This is an episode you're not going to want to miss. Please tune in to this featured exchange. Welcome back to the Terminal Exchange, episode 109. We got Matt Burgess in the house. He's here with us, so excited to have you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, he's a great guy. I, I think when I met Matt, I, you see what you get. You're very open, you're honest about everything going on uh, with your life and yeah. also with the ministry, and that's what we're here talking about today is Home Sweet Home Ministries. So Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, that's great. Matt, you've, you've done, this isn't the first time you've done some radio work. It's not the first time on the radio. It's not even my first time on a podcast. There's a there's a small podcast out of Fairbury that I've been a guest on before. Oh, really? So yeah. So that's it's yeah. kind of fun to do. This is my second ever podcast though, so which, I'm excited about it. Which one was that? Oh gosh, it was years ago. I think I know Paul which Garcia. One. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Garcia yeah. show. Um, he just interviews local people that are doing different things and I got to talk with him. That probably would have been during the pandemic, it's is what I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you're you're used to the podcast yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is a nice setup that you guys have here, though. Yeah. We do like having a place to do to, to, to do this. Yeah. To have a nice place where we can put anything out for our drivers to know and our employees. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely put. Hopefully, some time. I don't put anybody to sleep while they're listening <laughs> to this, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you'll be great. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And you're the CEO. I'm the CEO at Home Sweet Home Ministries. Okay. I just uh, observed my three-year anniversary in that role uh, okay. last week, actually. And really? So it was three years last week, and then, uh, but I've been at Home Sweet Home for uh, almost 15 total years. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do before? I was that? our chief operating officer, so I yeah. oversaw day-to-day our programming, all of our ins and outs of the services that, that we delivered uh, to folks. Yeah. Uh, so. Worked very closely with our CEO who retired, um, you know, three years ago, and and I was part of the succession plan. Yeah. Okay. Great. And how did you get involved at the beginning? Like, what brought you to Bloomington, and how did you even get to this role? Yeah, that's a good question. I um, I'm a therapist by training, so my early career was doing uh, mental health therapy with families and children, and. Uh, adults in all different settings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then over the course of my career, I wound up um, getting promoted into supervisor and management level jobs, Mm -hmm. started to take on program direction uh, responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, I actually got recruited away from working locally and worked on a statewide capacity for DCFS. Oh, really? Uh, I was a coordinator of a program that tried to stabilize children who were in foster care, stabilize those foster placements. So I did that 
for a couple of years, traveled all around the state, realized um, road life, uh, it's tough, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and I had kids at home at the time, and so I wanted to be uh, around for their activities as they were getting into junior high and yeah. that type of thing. So, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I think God led me to Home Sweet Home. Mm-hmm. I'd worked and lived out of Champaign County for, oh, really? for most of the time. Yeah. Um, and then somehow God pointed me towards Home Sweet Home Ministries. Mm. Um, and I've been there for since 2009. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And so you said God pointed you to Home Sweet Home Ministries. Yeah. What did that look like? Uh, Sorry, and that might be yeah, a loaded no, question. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I think uh, it's, easy for, it's easy to say stuff like that kind of in retrospect. Sure. Right? Um, at the time, did I realize that God was pointing me to Home Sweet Home? Probably not, but um, I tried to maintain an openness to um, contributing and doing something meaningful with my life. Um, and at that particular point in time, that meant stepping outside of where I was comfortable mm-hmm. uh, in Champaign hmm. and uh, being willing to look, what, 40 miles down the road at, at, at Bloomington <laughs> Normal as, as the community. So for a lot of a lot of the time, I commuted from Muhammad over here to, to oh, really? Bloomington, uh, but my wife and I moved over here three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. So we live in southwest Bloomington now. Okay, cool. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that uh, before you came on the podcast, just about that. So you go, you moved here three years ago, uh-huh. and you go to Compass I Go to Compass Church. Church. Yep. Okay. Yep. Great. Where'd you go before that? Uh, we w- were uh, at First Christian Church over in Urbana, Champaign-Urbana. Okay. Yeah, I was actually an elder at my church over in, okay. in Champaign. And uh, so that was, you know, that was a big deal to, to move and, yeah. and, and come over here. That's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, kind of having to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Home Sweet Home is not a new organization. No, not by any stretch. <laughs> uh, Home Sweet Home was actually founded... Uh, 106 years ago, a little over 106 years ago now. That is amazing. Yeah, we were founded on Thanksgiving Day in 1917. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. That's older than I am. (laughs) It's older than a lot of people. Yes. It's older than we are combined, for sure. (laughs) True. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Um, So working with the organization with so much history, and then you're stepping in as a CEO, was was that something that was difficult? To do, you said you worked there fifteen yeah, years before I, that. But. I, I mean, I like I like I started to talk about. I think I've I have felt that I've been called to Home Sweet Home, mm-hmm. which is why I've remained there for as long as I have. Yeah, um, it's hard work. It's demanding work. Uh, it can be incredibly rewarding at times. Um, but if you don't have a sense of calling. Um, to working, trying to serve people who are right. dealing with the complexities of homelessness and mental illness and addiction and all of those things uh, that we deal with um, in trying to help people who are in poverty, um, it can it can really wear you down. And so, um, is it hard? Yeah, it's been hard the whole time, yeah. um, but it's also been incredibly fulfilling. I think um, my life has been restored quite a bit through being part of the ministry work of Home Sweet Home. Really? Um, yeah, we have a, a our slogan uh, that we have above our front desk is hope for all who enter. Hmm. Um, and that's a slogan that we have uh, that goes back to pictures that we have of our earliest location. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, all the way back in 1917, our founder put a big sign in the window of our first location, and it said, hope for all who enter. And so it's just... 
I've, I've experienced that in my own life. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen in the lives of countless people that we've served, uh, other people who have worked at Home Sweet Home, people who volunteered with us, uh, and even people who donate and support Home Sweet Home. I think um, that experience of hope in their lives uh, is, is part of what, what we all get. Mm. Um, and so from that perspective, it's really easy to be part of an organization yeah. where you feel hopeful and, and that kind of restoration in your own life. Yeah, but it is something that would be very difficult. Like you said, for all those reasons, it would have a lot of wear and tear on you know your daily. If you don't have a sense of calling, yeah, it would be hard to make it. Yeah, I mean the the, the sort of stuff that we that we try and address um, tend to be what seem like they're impossible to to, to really yeah. fix. Right, homelessness. We've 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 had homelessness in our community. We wouldn't have been founded 106 years ago if that wasn't an issue right. at that point in time. Well over 100 years ago in our community, mm. um, we you know we help people who don't have enough access to healthy foods. Yeah, um, we do that day in day out, and and that can be disheartening sometimes to think, wow, we have we have neighbors who um, don't know how they're going to feed their family tonight, mm. and uh, um, that's why it's important for us to to be there and to be part of the solution. Yeah, so st- stuff like that that's been a lot around so long. Uh, seems like so overwhelming to try and uh, address or come to solutions with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be it can be a daunting task, um, mm-hmm. but you know I think it's important that we just remain faithful right. in the work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hope for all who enter. Yeah, yeah, it's a great great slogan that we have. I mean, uh, our founder was a business, local businessman named Billy Shulper, mm-hmm. and uh, he loved those big signs, the big placards that he would put in the window. Hope for all who enter. He had another sign, because uh, remember, this was yeah. 106 years ago. Another sign that he would put in the window was, how long since you wrote to mother, right? That was before we could send mom a text or do a FaceTime or anything like that. That's so, funny. Yeah, it's just, well... Yeah. yeah, it's it's a funny sign now to, right. to look at and go, oh my gosh, we would never put a sign like sure. that in our in our window. But I think the emphasis right. of that about connecting mm. with family and staying connected to that system of support, I mean, that's really what that sign was about. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it seems like we're more of a connected people now, but I think that even hit, hits home more in a lot of ways we're disconnected through technology. Sometimes it seems like we're connected yeah. uh, without actually connecting. And Yeah, it's a weird paradox that yeah. we live in now where we have the ability to be so connected, and yet a lot of that isn't genuine connection, mm. right? And that's what home, part of what Home Sweet Home Ministries does is bring that bring connection to people and yeah it, yeah. it seems like as part of our sense of mission our our yeah. mission is really um well our mission statement is that home sweet home ministries demonstrates Christ's love through mm-hmm. innovative approaches mm-hmm. that instill hope restore lives and build community mm-hmm. and so the connections is the building community part yes, of yes. our mission yes building community restoring hope yeah yes uh, before we get more into it, let's do a game. We have a game planned out All right. to get to know you. All right. Because I want to know good. the real Matt Burgess. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the fake Matt Burgess. Okay. Well, we'll see if you can figure it out. <laughs> All right. So we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. It's a classic game. So, Matt, you're going to give me two truths and one lie, and I'm going to have to guess which one's a lie. And, Daniel, you can help, too. All right. So yeah. uh, what do you got? All right. Let's your... see. Um, okay. So... I grew up um, going to high school 
I rode a commuter train to go to high school. Train. A train. Yeah, not a school bus. I rode like a train. Okay. To high school. Okay. Um, I also, uh, when I was in college in the '80s, um, I sold my car to John Mellencamp, the rock and roll legend John Mellencamp. <laughs> and then uh, the third thing is, um, I once drove all the way from Sheridan, Wyoming, to St. Charles, Illinois, in one day. That's a little over 1,100 miles in one day. St. Charles. Yeah. I have to like do the math on That's that. That's in the one. Chicago suburbs. Okay. So that those are my my two truths and a lie. Wow, this is How'd tough. How'd I do? How'd I do? Th- those are good? great. Those, those are, are really interesting. Yeah. It, I have not done any of those. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, to yeah. me, um, uh, I feel like the commuter train is interesting. But is it possible? I'm I'm not sure. And selling your car to John Mellencamp? Yeah. I feel like that's so specific it had to happen. Uh, that's just my gut feel. Um, Daniel, you got any gut feel over there? I, I think the Mellencamp one is true because it's just so unbelievable. It's so unbelievable. <laughs> it has to be. It, it seems like it's obviously a lie, but that makes me want to think it's Well, true. okay, so uh, does this help at all? Um, my brother, who's a couple years older than me, he was uh, he played flag football with John mm-hmm. Mellencamp. Okay. He was part of the Mellencamp Football League, the MFL. The MFL. Yeah, that's what he called it. Yeah. Okay. That's how I knew John Mellencamp. Is it? Yeah, that through your brother. Well, after that, I'm. I have to go with probably Wyoming to St. Charles. I mean, it seems like probably the biggest stretch. What? Maybe it's the commuter, Daniel. What do you think between those two? I would go Let's let's say Wyoming to St. Charles. I actually did that. You did yep, it. Yep, I actually did that. Um, so my wife and I lived in Seattle for a number of years. I went to graduate school out there. Yeah. And uh, when we moved back to Illinois, um, I drove our minivan back from Seattle to Illinois, wow. and was anxious to get here. And so rather than stop unnecessarily a few hours away, yeah, I just plowed on through. Wow. It was, it was exhausting, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. You got that, you know, in yeah. across Montana and Minnesota, you can kind of gain some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Gain some time. It's beautiful yeah. drive. Yeah. 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 You got some driver blood in you. It that's seems right. like that's you, right. Yeah. You probably picked Long that haul. one up. For yeah, a reason. yeah. 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 That, that shows some grit too. Yeah. A little bit of personality yeah. and wanting to stick through it. That's it's right. Like, I that's can't right. stop. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and he so I did actually do that. Sorry, Daniel. Yeah. So of the other two, what, what do you think? Okay, so between those two, I'm going to say the commuter train. I think you didn't take a commuter train to high school. I did actually do that too. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I grew up in New Jersey, uh, 45 minutes outside of New York City. Yeah. And uh, the little town in New Jersey that I lived in was at the end of one of the major commuter rail lines that people would take to get into New York City. Yeah. And the town I went to high school in was like two stops yeah. down the, the the train line. And it was cheaper for my school district to buy train passes for the students oh, really? instead of run school buses. And so we rode the commuter train to and from high school. So interesting. Yeah. 
So the school bought those passes. The school bought the yeah. It was instead of busing, we we rode a train. Train. Yeah. Training. Did you enjoy yeah. that? Enjoy the. Train? It was fun. Yeah. It was. <laughs> you know. I mean, if you think back to bus riding days, there are hijinks that happen in a bus. Same thing happens in a in a commuter train where the students are all messing around. And yeah. Sometimes some students might forget to get off the, mm. the train and wind up in New York City instead of high school. Just saying that sometimes happened. Yeah, so. never happened to you, though. Uh, no, I never did that. Of course not. <laughs> never slept through your stop. No. Yeah, that's interesting. No, I'd say a very <laughs> small population of people have done that. Yeah. yeah what yeah. about the selling your car? So actually, so there, it's almost true. It sounds almost like true. It. Uh, my, my brother really did play with John Mellencamp on his flag football team. Wow. Uh, I really did meet him. Uh, and I drove a 69 Camaro when I was in college. It was a beautiful car. Mm. 69 Camaro Super Sport. Le Mans blue with white Super Sport stripes. Gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, uh, I would drive my brother down to Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, wow. Um, where they played f- flag football and met John Mellencamp one time. And he wanted to buy my car from me. Um, but I loved that car too much. I loved it more than being st- starstruck by John Mellencamp. So you so chose not to sell it. I chose it. not to sell it to him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Did you go to the MFL? I did not, no. I, <laughs> I, I did not, no. Yeah, you chose not to go to the MFL. The, I, well, I didn't, did. get, I didn't get asked. Oh, okay. My brother actually played football in college. Oh, really? And, and so he was, he was a ringer on, on Mellencamp's MFL team, and, okay. and I did not play football. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's cooler than actually selling your car to John I mean, Mellencamp. I got to tell him no. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Not many people do that. You, yeah. you liked your Camaro too much. That's right. It's a nice car. Cool. Well, if you're ready, we can dive a little bit yeah. into Home Sweet Home Ministries. And we talked about the, the values, the mission. Can we talk a little bit about how it started and the yeah. origins of Home Sweet Home Ministries? Yeah, our founder, like I said, was a man named uh, Billy Shelper. He was a local businessman. He was a salesman, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, his wife was tragically killed, we think, in a car accident. There's some details that are a little fuzzy. Um, and in, in reaction to that, he actually developed quite a problem with alcohol, um, was, was really kind of losing uh, control over his life. Mm-hmm. And then in the early 1900s, um, Billy Sunday was a big uh, evangelist that would travel around the country doing big tent revival types of uh, preaching times. And he came to Bloomington. Billy Sunday came hmm. to Bloomington. And uh, Billy Shelper mm-hmm. went, accepted Christ, hmm. and completely changed the direction of his life by turning his life over to Christ and immediately started serving the community um, in significant ways. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he started off with a prison ministry. Mm. So, you know, he and a group of caring people would go to um, the, the the local jail mm-hmm. and do outreach. They would go and and share the gospel, um, sing hymns, um, and just try and encourage people who were incarcerated. Mm. Did that for a little bit, and then um, on Thanksgiving Day in 1917. Mm-hmm. He opened what was then called Home Sweet Home City Rescue Mission. Hmm. And he opened it actually in the building where he was born. Really? Yeah. His family ran a candy store out of that building. They must have lived behind the store or something like that for him yeah. to have been born there. Sure. Um, and so he converted that over to a ministry center 
where they the first thing that they did was they they served Thanksgiving dinner and shared the gospel with uh, mostly men mm-hmm. at that point in time at, at first, um, but then immediately started to include women and children and families into um, their reach. Mm. Um, so that was 106 years ago. We've always been in or around downtown Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in our current location, which is just off of uh, Oakland Avenue, mm-hmm. uh, for the last 52 years. Okay. We, we moved in there early in the early 70s. It was a funk seeds processing plant before mm-hmm. we bought it, um, and we converted it over to our shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's that's our base of operations now. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, we got started feeding people, sharing the gospel. We do ver- have done versions of that um, ever since then. We, of course, the scope of what we do has grown considerably right. since that time. Um, but every Thanksgiving, I mean, we we you know take out all the stops and do this massive community outreach effort, um, serving the community at Thanksgiving. Hmm. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see how it evolved over time. And you, I see the bends around Bloomington Normal. Oh, yeah. And there's so many different ways that Home Sweet Home Ministries uh, does things. And it seems like it started off, were those, when they first did that first one in Thanksgiving of 1917, yeah. was that, like, home? was it focused for homeless people? or It was for disadvantaged members of the community, including people who would have been homeless at sure. that time. Yeah. yeah. Homelessness then looked very differently um, than it looks now. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, that would have included people who were homeless in our community, um, maybe you know living from place to place to place, mm-hmm. um, but also with a lot of uh, just impoverished people uh, who wouldn't have been able to have that Thanksgiving banquet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's how it started off, um, and it evolved over time. But has the mission and values has that been pretty central and. You know, I Similar think I think you know the that hope for all who enter slogan. It's been the overriding thing throughout our entire organizational history. Mm-hmm. Um, we've updated our mission statement a couple of times through the years, a few times through the years. You know, mm-hmm. we, we really want to make sure that um, what we use as our focusing identity mm-hmm. um, really reflects what we've learned. Really mm-hmm. reflects. Um, the, the 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 changing circumstances of our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our current mer- mission statement that I shared a little bit ago, uh, we've had that for probably 10 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we updated that uh, early in my tenure at Home Sweet Home and uh, have really leaned into that over the, over the last decade, mm-hmm. really trying to be serious about instilling hope, restoring lives and building yeah. community. Hmm. And we think that that, that current yeah. mission statement honors the commitment that our founder made mm. when he started the organization mm-hmm. and really carries through now to um, our current day intention that he had back in 1917. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. does. It's very similar. Yeah. And you need that. When you show up to work, you need to know, why am I here? That's right. Why am I doing yeah. this? And for the volunteers that come in. Yeah. What's the point of doing this? And it right. seems like it is a very God-centered ministry. Yeah, we are. I mean, there's we, we make no bones about we're a faith-based nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. right? That, that our faith is why we exist as an organization, mm-hmm. and our faith is why we're part of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Me as an individual, 
Um, the reason I'm at Home Sweet Home is because of my sense of faith and my sense of identity of who I'm called to be as a follower of Christ, mm. right? Yeah, and that influences everything that you do in Home yeah. Sweet Home does. Yeah, and hopefully that 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 uh, pervades everything <clears throat> that we do. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah. So, looking at the ways that Home Sweet Home works today, if you could just fill me in a little bit about all the different things that yeah. happens behind the scenes, you're mer- very much involved in all of these things. I mean, from what I've seen, you have a community building, the junction, um, bread for life. But could could you share a little bit about all these different yeah. facets? Yeah. Um, what we're probably most known for is um, our shelter that we operate. Uh, where we provide services for men, women, and, ch- and families who are experiencing homelessness in our community. So we provide emergency shelter mm-hmm. uh, for people in our big four-story building. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what generally what people, when people think of mm-hmm. the mission yeah. or of Home Sweet Home, that's the first thing that people think about. Within our shelter, we've got, we've got somewhere around 65 total beds mm-hmm. in our shelter. Most of those are adult beds. Around 50 of those are beds for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so that's probably the biggest thing that we do. We also have a dining center mm-hmm. uh, in our shelter where we provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day of the year for mm-hmm. our shelter residents. But we also open up lunch and dinner every single day of the year to anybody in the community who needs to come in mm-hmm. and receive that type of support. Yeah. So we have a lot of people who live around Bloomington Normal who come in and eat lunch mm-hmm. and dinner with us on a regular basis throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, also within our shelter services, we have a case management team that work with, um, works with every single person that we serve in our shelter. Mm-hmm. Our case managers, <coughs> our, uh, our case managers are, um, meeting with every single person, conducting a fairly comprehensive assessment of what their situation is, who they are as a person, abilities and strengths <clears throat> and talents that they have. Um, that then we can use and, and partner with that individual to develop a service plan mm-hmm. to help them work their way back into housing. Yeah. Right? Um, and so that's all within the shelter. We also, outside of the shelter, uh, help people who are in housing, mm-hmm. and we have what we call uh, our rapid rehousing programs. Mm-hmm. This is where we help people get into apartments mm-hmm. and provide that case management yeah. support while they are in their own apartment. Yeah. So. Um, we, we do that with a number of people where we're um, providing temporary rental assistance, uh, providing case management support to people who are residing here, there, and everywhere yeah. around town. Hmm. Um, in addition to those uh, shelter and housing types of programs, um, we also have another housing program. We own a duplex in okay. Normal, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we own a duplex. We've owned that for... Oh, a year and a half or so, okay. um, and we lease that out as affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, we That's permanent housing. So that's yeah. a permanent place for somebody that they can live just like anybody else who rents an apartment. Mm-hmm. This is their place. As long as they uh, meet the terms of the lease mm-hmm. and and uh, want to renew, we're happy to provide that permanent housing to, to that, in, that, that household. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope to do more of that going forward. That type of style. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're not yet position to do that, but we do hope to do more and more of that in the years to come. Right. Um, so in addition to all of that housing-related yes. work, we do 
a couple of other things. You mentioned um, the Bread for Life Food Co-op. Mm-hmm. That's our f- primary food assistance ministry um, where we provide access to healthy foods mm-hmm. in a healthy manner for people in our community who know they're not going to have enough money to, to, to cover all of their bills, including groceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's basically functions as a, like a private grocery store mm-hmm. where people join the co-op, mm-hmm. help run the co-op through yeah. their work, in exchange for shopping yep. in the co-op. So it's a it's a private grocery store that the members operate. Yes. So they're benefiting from it. So when you work, you earn. That's right. Yeah. It's it's membership work. That's what membership is, is, mm-hmm. is working um, within the co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, and for every two hours of work that somebody completes, they get a shopping trip yeah. in the grocery store mm-hmm. to shop for the grocery items that they want, leave the items that they don't want, um, and... It's a pretty good hourly rate when we do the math. We, we, we calculate the average value of a sh- normal shopping trip, mm-hmm. the, the product that somebody takes home. Somewhere, if they were to go buy it at any grocery store <coughs> in town, it would be about $250 mm-hmm. for them to purchase yeah. all of that stuff for two hours of work. I'm just guessing because I know I don't make that kind of money. Right. I'm guessing you don't make that kind of money, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good return on their investment. But but more than just getting the food, what, you know, I think one of the things that people get when they're given opportunity to contribute is they get a message of value and of worth mm-hmm. for themselves, right? This is this is part of what's so core to us is we want to help people's lives be restored. Mm-hmm. while they are being helped by us. So providing food is an important part of that so that they can yeah. be nourished and they can they can feed their families. Absolutely, that's important. But if we do that in a way that strips away their dignity, right. strips away their sense of capability, we've actually hurt them in the process of trying to help them, yeah. which is not at all what we want to do, of course, right? right? So by having this participatory model mm-hmm. of working in exchange for their groceries we're reinforcing that they're a person of value, that they're yeah. a person of worth, that we need them. Right. Right? They have a place, and we look forward to seeing them. And and it's just, I talk all the time about the nourishment that our co-op members get. Yeah. Some of it comes from the food, but a lot of it comes from the sense of purpose and pride that they can take in knowing that they did what was within their ability to control to support themselves and their families. Hmm. And that does have a profound impact on the way that you see the world is feeling that sense of purpose and, you know, like, Hey, I, I did this. And yeah. 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 You know, I, I think it's important to, to, to really remember that regardless of our circumstances, mm-hmm. I think we have this innate created um, drive yes. to contribute. Right. Yes. Um, to, to bring ourselves to work, mm. um, to be meaningful to yeah. other people, right? That's fundamental to who we are created to be. And that's what we get to reinforce in the way that we provide access to food through our food co-op. Right. And yeah. it seems that if it was done a different way, you'd lose some of that. Of We, we have this drive to create, yeah. to help other people, and when you're only being helped without being able to opportunity to help other people. Yeah. It, yeah. If I give that. you the message enough that your place is only to take what I can give to you and you can't do anything 
a value in that, right? That's a that's a message that is fairly defeating for somebody to 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 be given over and over and over again. Mm. And ultimately, they we we start to believe that about ourselves if we're given that message enough. If you're told you can't do anything, you don't have money, so you can't do anything. Mm. You're not going to try anymore. And we want to combat that message with, actually, you know what? Even without money, you're a person of great value. Right. You have something to offer. And so we, we, we really bring that into the dynamic of how we're serving people in our food co-op. Yeah, and how you run. And yeah. I, I like that. It seems that the gospel does that too. When we come to know Christ, that he gives us dignity. That he, like he, you yeah. know, he he clothes us, and that he looks at us with love. Yeah, he doesn't look at at us with disdain. Right, and a similar model there of yeah. like you're giving, you're helping people dignity. You're talking with people. Right, you know, you're not talking down to people. Right. You're giving people opportunities to work and, and yeah. do that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's yeah. cool to hear. So that's our food co-op. That's bread for life. Bread I, for obviously, life. I can I can talk. We could talk the whole time just about that. Yeah, we could talk the whole time just about any one of these things that I'm throwing out there to you. Yeah. Uh, but the other major thing that we do right now as a program uh, is the junction. That's our community center. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a a space that we open up Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we just open to anybody in the community who wants to come in and be welcomed and be. Um, uh, given messages of value, right? Again, looking at, at ways for us to help people experience community is an important part of what we want to do. Um, and so the junction is is really a, a place to come hang out mm-hmm. at its at its most basic level. Yeah, um, we wanted to create a setting where people who didn't feel welcome in other parts of town, in other aspects of our community, to feel welcome with us. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one of the things that we know when people are stuck in a cycle of homelessness, of really struggling with with poverty, a lot of times what comes along with that is a sense of isolation and being cut off from other people. And we want to do something to directly target that experience. And it starts with welcoming people into a space where they feel valued. Yeah. Right. So our, our community center um, is set up. We have round tables where people can come in and sit with mm. each other, uh, have a cup of coffee, engage in conversation, maybe do a, a puzzle, play a game, um, you know, get some services, uh, really just as a place for people to come in and, and experience uh, an opportunity for some refuge from the pressures of the life that they're living in so that then um, they can experience a little renewal along the way as well, mm. right? We want people to experience that sense of refuge and renewal mm-hmm. as they they interact with us. Um, but if if all people want to come in and do is access the free Wi-Fi that we make available <laughs> and have a cup of coffee that yeah. we make available, <clears throat> we're happy to welcome them in. Mm-hmm. Usually when somebody starts like that over time, they start to have conversation with yeah. us gradually, and then we get to know them. We get to understand what is it that we can do to help them. Yeah. But we also partner with a lot of other uh, community organizations that come into the junction mm-hmm. and provide supports and services uh, to people who are who are yeah, there. Yeah, I heard a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, so we have we actually have a church that, that meets in yeah. the junction, yeah. right? So we partner um, and, and have a small faith community that, that calls the junction their home. Mm. Um, and they do a variety of things with us. Um, they teach Bible study and have different activities and things like that. Many of those uh, 
members of that congregation volunteer mm. in the junction, that side of sort of thing. But we also partner with Heartland Community College. Heartland's not quite as far out on the edge of town as 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 we are right now yeah. here at New Spot, right. but um, it's it's far away from home sweet home. Right. Right. It's on the opposite end of town. <clears throat> For sure. Uh, but Heartland Community College comes and uses our classroom to do adult education. Hmm. Uh, so we're helping people who are uh, needing language support, but also working towards high school equivalency uh, certificates, uh, really getting that kind of basic need met. Um, they've got a class that meets in our classroom. We, we open that up for them. Uh, to use uh, two days a week throughout the year. Um, we also have other nonprofits that come in and provide services or who have meetings in in our space. Yeah. Um, so other nonprofit colleagues will come in, have team meetings there, or do special outreach uh, to engage people in their services uh, by using our space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a really vibrant, um, really exciting place for us to to welcome people in we, we chose the name The Junction on purpose. Um, historically, we're, we're in the part of town where historically the train junctions yeah. were, right? Yeah. So a train junction is where trains came together and had the opportunity to change direction. Hmm. That's what we wanted to have happen. We wanted people to come together. We wanted people and services to come together. And we wanted to create the context where people could change direction if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 been a really exciting thing. It's one of the newer things that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. We haven't even been doing it for two years yet. Uh, it's been about a year and a half that we've had the junction open. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we're seeing close to 100 people come in a day. Really? It's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Do you hang out in the junction? I get over there as often <laughs> as I can. I don't get to hang out in one spot very long it's, at yeah, any time. Yeah. But, yes, I make... I make sure to get over to the junction a few times a week just to say hi to people. Uh-huh. Um, there are a lot of people who I've known for a really long time that come into the junction. And so being able to catch up with them, hear where they are. A lot of people who are housed now that, that used to be in our shelter come still come in. Mm-hmm. Um, we play bingo in the junction on Wednesdays. Really? Wednesday afternoons. And so that's a really fun time to get to catch up with people. Yeah. And just see how they're doing. And so, you know, we, we do a lot of different things and, and it's always a good thing. Yeah. A good time for me uh, to be able to reconnect with folks when I'm over there. Yeah. Do a little B-I-N-G-O. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I was I got to be the celebrity guest caller a few weeks <clears throat> really? ago. And that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. That is fun. So, again, the hours are from 10 to 5. Yep. Is that the hours? 10 to 5, Monday through Friday. Okay. Yeah. 10 to 5, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. All right. So, the junction, that's a, that's a big part. You know, you have classes that come in during that time and just hanging out, getting to know each other. Anything else? You know, um, for the past several months, we've been very busy uh, supporting people who are in the tent encampment right next door to us as well. And so um, my community outreach team that works in the junction, in our food co-op, in our housing programs, they've been very busy trying to help uh, the people who are in the in the encampment, mm. uh, both providing for their immediate safety and well-being, but also looking longer term at, at how we can help them right. um, overcome the obstacles, the barriers that they are dealing with to get into housing. Um, so that tent encampment has been a, a new, the newest addition to mm-hmm. to what we're trying to manage. We're busy trying to. It, it's it's this 
uh, dual process where we're immediately trying to provide support and services to people who are in the encampment, while we're also trying to work on solutions to replace the encampment with a longer term, more yeah. stable, safer strategy of providing access to services than subjecting somebody to trying to survive the winter in a tent. Mm. So, yeah. so we're working on what we're specifically looking at doing is uh, launching a, what we're calling a shelter village mm-hmm. program. Uh, we're, we're hoping to take a lot of the types of services that we offer inside our big congregate shelter mm-hmm. and provide those services in a different setting where individuals have their own small, like one room structure that mm-hmm. they stay in that they know is stable, can be secured with a lock on the door, right, and can be temperature controlled hmm. while we help them move towards housing. And so this would be a cluster of like little 70 square foot, little pod type of um, structures that people would individually occupy. So one person per 70 square foot structure um, and then we provide comprehensive services to them in that mm. type of setting. We think launching something like that replaces the vast majority of people who are in tents having to be in tents. Mm-hmm. They would be well served by this shelter village concept um, in ways that our, our current system just isn't geared to to help them be successful. Hmm. Interesting. And so, and for people that don't know, this is something that happened. Recently, yeah, it's been yeah. really since like September, October, um, kind of late fall. Um, tents started to pop up in the parking lot right next to Home Sweet Home Ministries campus on yeah. the south end of downtown Bloomington. Um, that's a parking lot that's actually owned by East Eastview Christian Church, but we partner with Eastview um, on serving these individuals mm-hmm. um, and have all along. Eastview has been a great partner of ours in, yeah. in this process. Um, and so we're, we're trying to support these, these individuals, these neighbors, right. literal neighbors of ours, <laughs> um, to be able to get out of their tents and into housing, right? Um, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. They don't have other options that are viable for them. Our shelter is full all the time now. The Salvation Army, who does the other shelter in town, their shelter is full all the time now. And so... We have to come up with new solutions. Right. Or we just have to say, hey, you know what? It's okay with us to have people in tents, mm-hmm. which I'm not okay with at all. Right? And and most of our community is not okay with it. Right. Um, just fundamentally, we shouldn't have anybody whose only option for shelter is a thin tent, a right. nylon tent with a tarp over it. Right. That, we shouldn't subject anybody to that sort of conditions. Right. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do something about. Yeah, yeah. It's a very a lot of complication, or a lot of it's a pretty complicated thing to take care yeah, of. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, the people who are in the encampment are people who we've tried to serve in our traditional system in our shelters. They've not been successful, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are a lot of rules and expectations that come with having fifty other people that you're living under the same roof with. Right. right? Uh, you know, I don't know how many roommates you've ever had at one time, <laughs> but I've never had forty five roommates no way. to contend with, right? No way. Um and so that's that that's asking a lot of people sometimes, especially if they have a, a history of surviving some kind of trauma yeah. or struggling with some kind of mental health 
or uh, substance use challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, get, get being able to function adequately in a congregate space is is a pretty daunting challenge for for folks. And so what we're trying to do is we're not trying to do more of the same thing that we've always done that created this problem. We're trying to do new things to solve this problem, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the shelter village really comes in. Every single person that's in this tent encampment could be served safely and effectively in a shelter village mm-hmm. setting, but not in a traditional shelter. Yeah. And that was part of my curiosity. Are these people a part of Home Sweet Home? Like, do they participate in Home Sweet Home, mm-hmm. or is that something... Can anyone go to Home Sweet Home? Yeah, you know, um, we're, we're there to serve people, right? We always try, uh, you know, what I tell my, my staff is we always want to try and figure out how we can serve somebody, even when we can't do everything for them. We right. can't meet a specific situation or a specific need for them. Yep. Is there something else that we can do for them? So so our, our camping neighbors right now, um, yeah, we're, we're providing as best we can some case management services for them. Most of those uh, individuals in the tents, they don't have identifying information. They mm-hmm. don't have a state ID. Mm-hmm. They don't have a social security card. They don't have a copy of their birth certificate. It's hard to do pretty much anything without those identifying documents. Wow. And so that's where we're starting with a lot of people, helping them get identification. We're also helping them fill out housing applications, telling them, first of all, hey, you're eligible for housing. Mm-hmm. Many of them don't realize that. And so we're, we're moving them at a very basic level mm-hmm. towards services. We're helping them get connected with health care, mental health care, you know, those types of things as well, um, while working on this longer-term solution yeah. of, of a shelter village. Yeah. Hmm. And there are so many challenges to homelessness. And I think right now we're in winter, and I think of temperature, yeah. too. I'm just going through that, having to experience something. I don't live too far from Uptown Station. I go past there, and yeah. people sleep outside yeah. Uptown Station. Weather like this, you know? Right. So uh, imagine, yeah. imagine, imagine that being your sleeping arrangement and trying to come to work the next day. Yeah. It's impossible, mm. right? Imagine doing that night after night after night and being focused on anything other than survival. It's impossible. People who are unsheltered can only think about how they're going to meet their survival needs, mm. right? That's why a shelter village is so important for us so that we can get that survival need taken care of to free up people's minds and energy to start thinking about what's next. Mm-hmm. What after their survival needs are, are met, what's the next thing that they can start to think about yeah. and focus on and work towards, mm. right? Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And that's something that you also do to help people understand that with night in the car. Yeah. Uh, that's happened before, yeah. and that's something that you do. Yeah, night in the car is our uh, – we just had it a few weeks ago, actually. We do it the first Friday night in February. Okay. Um, and that's our annual fundraising and awareness event. Yeah. Um, Nussbaum has been a sponsor of that. Um, we've had the, the big uh, family trailer out there. Yeah. 
I tell you, some of the best hats, those black Nussbaum uh, <laughs> knit caps, those are the, some of the warmest hats that I've, yeah. ever, that I've ever experienced. We'll have to get you some. Yeah, well, I've, I've got one. I've got one. Uh, um, but we do this annually, and it's a, it's a fundraiser, right? We, it's, it's, it's to raise money to help support the operations of what we do throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But an important part of it is giving people a glimpse of how challenging it is to have nowhere to call your home except for your vehicle, Hmm. right? So we simulate homelessness for one night only, right? We started at 7 p.m. on a Friday night, and we ended at 6 a.m. the next morning. So it's not even a 24-hour cycle. Mm -hmm. It's one night that we challenge people to spend in their cars to to really learn about, oh, this this is miserable. This is very challenging. You know, and that's even when we've got giant SUVs and people throw mattresses in the back and yeah. do sleeping bags and all that sort of stuff. What we hear, the reason we do it the first Friday night in February yeah. is because it's usually cold. Right. Right. It's been as cold as negative 12 when we've done this event. Yeah. And we always have people come in the next morning and talk about just share your reflections of what this experience was. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how uncomfortable and how lonely and how boring Mm -hmm. it is sometimes they talk about i was i was warm until like two o'clock when i rolled over and my blanket slipped and my toes got cold and i could never get them warm again right or we have families who do it and the kids in those families talk about well it was fun at first but then (laughs) you know my sister kept elbowing me and i couldn't get comfortable and i i didn't want to be there right i mean those are real stories That, that are just honest reflections on just one, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the reality of homelessness, but it's a glimpse into how challenging it yeah. is. And then we always say, you know, we get to go home, we get to take a nap, we get to know, I don't have to worry about that tonight on the morning after, mm-hmm. right? But we always challenge people to think, what if you did? Mm-hmm. What if you were facing doing this again this next night and the night after that and the night after that? Hmm. Think about how tough that is. Right. And we want more more and more people to recognize the challenges of that so that mm-hmm. we have more and more people who are passionate about doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a, a great way, a fundraiser that happens. Yeah. And yeah. this year was a success. Very successful. We raised the uh, – w- we're about to get the final total. We, we leave donations in. Uh, active until the end of February. So we do it beginning of February, but we we always know there's some people who donate after the event itself mm-hmm. uh, just because they've been busy with other things. Yeah. Um, but we expect to raise over $160,000 mm. um, this year, which is the second most that we've ever raised in the event. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So it's been a very successful year for us. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a great experience. I recommend I yeah. recommend the experience. I'm I might you know I, yeah. I need to maybe next get February. you out there next year. All right. <laughs> You're probably like, what you am I doing here? You yeah. can guarantee I'll follow up with you. You on will that. follow up with me. <laughs> hey, you remember that podcast yeah, you yeah, did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I think it's it's time for you to come. We out. could do we could do something from the event. We could. Yeah. 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 That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I think thinking about that and also with our truck drivers, this is something that a lot of our truck drivers experience too is homelessness coming uh, from homelessness and using the truck um, as their home yeah. until they build enough wealth to purchase a home yeah. or uh, get an apartment. And uh, so this is, is, this is a very relevant topic yeah. too, 
uh, of what we're talking about. And a lot of uh, truck drivers have experienced this or, um, yeah, it definitely is something yeah. that happens. And when you're saying about the sheets and living in your, your, your car, it's like, yeah, it's the experience of a, a lot of truck drivers that yeah. that's, that's yeah. where they are. Well, yeah. I would, ima- I, I mean, I've, I've never been mm-hmm. a truck driver. I've never, I, I mean, I drove a long haul one right. time, right. Shared into St. Charles one time. <laughs> um, but it could be really lonely, I would guess, mm-hmm. on the road. I mean, for sure, it's 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 hard to have that sense of community and connection with people, um, and so that's that's an important part of the the reminder that we want that we all need that type of support in our lives. We need to have people that are there for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have family, we have friends that we're blessed to have in our lives that that are there for us in big ways and in small ways. Yeah. That's what everybody needs. That's what everybody deserves. Exactly. Yeah. It's a big, <coughs> big part about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, really. Thanks for sharing a lot of those things. Is there anything else? I did see on your website there's an, an employer match program. I mean, you have the drop-off locations. You talked about the Oh, co-op. I forgot to talk about the bins. Yeah. yeah. Our drop-off locations, um, that's one of the ways. So Home Sweet Home is, is very unique in how we're funded. Mm-hmm. We are funded almost entirely by private donations. Mm-hmm. For a nonprofit organization, that's really, really exceptional. Mm-hmm. Most nonprofit organizations rely on state and federal grant funding. And we get a little bit of that, but it's less than 10% of our operating budget. Hmm. Really, 90%, 92% of our operating budget comes from donations of caring people and caring businesses yeah. like Nussbaum. Um, that support the work that we do. And so the, the, the clothing and shoe collection bins that we have yeah. around town, that's one of the ways we raise money. Yeah. Every bit of clothing and every, every pair of shoes that gets dropped off in those bins, we sell, hmm. right? We sell it by weight, and that helps raise revenue to support the work that we do in the junction, in the food co-op, in the dining room, in our housing programs, in our shelter, mm. all of that. And so we really look at different creative ways uh, to raise the money uh, to support the work that we do throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Cool to hear that. How, I didn't realize that's how it's it's funding. I thought that was clothes were being used, but they're sold and well, then used. Yeah, for those clothes wind up going into thrift stores, mm-hmm. um, but um, not locally. All right. I mean, yeah. the, but the, you know, we've got the home sweet home branded bins, and then there are the other bins that are oftentimes set right next to our bins. Um, <laughs> I always encourage people to drop your stuff in the home sweet home bin because. Yeah. The same thing happens no matter what bin you drop those in, except the money that gets raised by the Home Sweet Home bins supports us locally, mm-hmm. supports this local nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. The things that get <coughs> the things that get dropped in the other bins, that's fine, but all that money leaves leaves the community, mm-hmm. right? So there's 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 double payoff to dropping your your used clothes and shoes into yeah. the home sweet home bins. Yeah, and that and home sweet homes right in the heart of Bloomington. Right. You know, it's going right here. That's cool. I've been talking a lot. My throat's dry. Sorry. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about the different facets. Anything else with that you'd like to mention? We haven't talked you know, about. Um, I think. I want to emphasize um, that we are very much a faith-driven organization, right? That 
as important as the things that we do are, Mm -hmm. providing shelter, rental assistance, food, case management, as important as all those things are, if we didn't ground those activities in our sense of faith and our sense of purpose, then, uh, you know, we wouldn't be nearly as effective. We wouldn't be nearly, we wouldn't see nearly the outcomes Mm. that we see when we have that as our grounding. Yeah. (coughs) Sorry. No worries. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I mean, that makes the difference between running a faith-based organization versus not the verse, unless the Lord builds a house, the labor builds in vain. Right. And that's what you're doing. Every day you're waking up, you're strategizing about how can we help in this cycle of homelessness? How can we help people uh, restore lives? And you can put all the plans and programs into action, but unless the Lord builds a house, you know, you'll labor in vain. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Great note to include there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I emailed you and you're, email response you had Romans 12 4 through 5 yeah in that I was curious what does that mean to you (coughs) Romans 12 4 through 5 uh, are some of my favorite scriptures two of my favorite verses in all of scripture and I think it's one of the the aspects of the body of Christ that we that I get to be witness to by serving at home sweet home it talks about that we're all different parts of Christ's body. We all have our own special function, and we all belong to each other, right? We all need to rely on each of our contributions mm-hmm. to really following Christ and fulfilling the call to to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, mm-hmm. right? So I know that you're doing that here at, at Nussbaum mm-hmm. through your job, right? Mm-hmm. That's a reminder to me. It's a reminder to you, hopefully— that that's how you fit into being part of Christ's body. Mm-hmm. That's how I individually fit into being part of Christ's body. Mm-hmm. But it's also how my organization, your organization, fit into Christ's body. Mm-hmm. We each have our own special function. Mm-hmm. We each contribute unique assets and unique um, uh, unique contributions. Right to being faithful followers of Christ. Mm. I do my thing, you do your thing, mm-hmm. right? Your truck drivers do their thing. Um, my my food co-op workers do their thing, right? right? Uh, we're all different parts of Christ's body. And when we look at the perspective of we're all working to the same purpose, right? To, bring, to, to glorify God, to, to bring people into a relationship with him, um, that, that I mean, talk about giving meaning mm-hmm. to our work. Yeah. No matter what that work is, I, I think that's that's what that's all about. Hmm. Yeah. And I always, you know, I always want to. The reason I have it in my email signature mm-hmm. is I want, if it's a first time person contacting me, I want them to know this is who, this is who I think you are. You're some unique contribution to the body of Christ that I just don't know about yet. Yeah. Right. There, there are a lot of colleagues who I know what their contributions are, mm-hmm. but I'm always interested in, and, and excited to learn what somebody else's contributions could be. Yeah. yeah. For it to be in your email signature, it must mean a lot it to does, you. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to live your life is like to look at someone and it's like, I could be a lot like you in this way. I really appreciate what you're doing and how that 
works together yeah. in how all of it comes and glorifies God. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, each unique. And then also on the website is Romans 12, 12. Yeah. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And that that's a big part of the... It is. I think, um, like I said, the work that we do is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to have hope. Mm. Um, and we have to have patience when things are hard, mm-hmm. right? When things are painful, when we, when we witness the struggle, um, the affliction that the people that we're trying to support are going through, mm-hmm. um, we have to look at that in a, as healthy a manner as we can, yeah. understand it within this bigger scope of there is hope, right? Yeah. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it, mm-hmm. right? Um, that That's part of it. And, of course, being a, a, an organization of faith, being faithful in prayer, mm-hmm. that helps us be grounded in that type of thinking. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I was excited to hear that. Uh, Looking at Home Sweet Home and your life personally, how has Home Sweet Home impacted you? Yeah, I said uh, earlier in the conversation <laughs> that I feel like it's restored me in many ways. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, one of the important ways that, that being part of the work of Home Sweet Home Ministries has impacted my life is it's really reminded me of the kindness and generosity that does exist in our mm-hmm. in our community within individual people in our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a lot of energy and a lot of attention gets spent on the the conflict or the disagreement or the, you know, the 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 positional stances that that everybody takes. Mm -hmm. Um, But being part of Home Sweet Home, you get to see, while there are those differences, because we engage people from across the Christian faith community, from very conservative to very progressive, right? but what unifies us all is a love of Christ and being true to loving our neighbor as ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, ourselves. And, and that's, I mean, that's encouraging. That's hope giving to me. Hope, yeah. That's the hope for all who enter slogan, right? That's <laughs> hope for me. Um, I, but I also think it's helped me grow in many ways in my faith of understanding what do I do with this faith that I profess? Mm. Um, aside from, being right about what I believe, yeah. and in fact, setting that need to be right about what I believe even to the side and saying, what does this say about what I need to do as a result of my faith? Mm-hmm. That's been a, an important growing mm-hmm. growth uh, developmental experience for me over the years to see and to make sure that I am being part of God's kingdom mm-hmm. and helping draw people into a relationship rather than getting it sideways and, and potentially driving people away. Mm. Yeah. And you have to keep remembering that. Yeah. Keep coming back to yeah. that as yeah. you've, you've gone on your journey to experience that and then remind yourself yeah. of that. Yeah. Cool. Our motto at Newsbomb is purpose-driven. Yeah. And I like to ask the question, what does it mean to be purpose-driven? What does it mean to live a life of purpose? What would you say to that? I think being purpose-driven is being missional, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's the language that I use, right? right? We talk about being a <laughs> missional organization. You're going right? somewhere. I got a sense of direction. I know why I'm going there, right? That's purpose. Um, and, 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 and just like the purpose of 
being part of the work of God in our community, mm-hmm. right? That that suggests how we approach our work, mm-hmm. right? Um, it 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 suggests how we relate to one another in the course of that work, right? It's not just about getting the work done. It's about why we're doing the work. Hmm. That's what it means to me. I think when we are clear about why we're doing what we're doing, and certainly earning a paycheck is a part of that, Mm -hmm. and being part of supporting your family is a part of that, but having a bigger sense of purpose on why I do this, maybe why I'm on the road as much as I am, um, that's an important aspect of getting fulfillment out of the work. Mm, yeah. Right, you need to have that. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll slowly get eaten up inside. Yeah. It's like, okay, why? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Something more than just a, a paycheck, and that is important. Yeah. But there's something more yeah. to it than that. I have a reason for why I'm doing. Well, it. and the other, you know, as the leader of my organization, making sure we're purpose driven or missional in our approach, I know we're going to do better. Right. When we're like that. When, yeah. when, when from top to bottom, our whole team thinks from a purpose-driven perspective, yeah. we're more effective. Mm. We have more success. We have better results. Yeah. Right? Hmm. Yeah, you wake up and you feel good about it. You know, you're not just, oh, another day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool to see that, how that happens from top to bottom. Yeah. All right. So we're wrapping up. And I would like to talk a little bit about a call, call to action. Wait, how can I help? And I already know that I signed up for a night in the car next year. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm there. I, I, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Email one year from now, a lesson year. Uh, yeah, how, how are other ways that people can get involved, ways that we can help without hurting? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Uh, um I, I like to always remind people, even if you don't have time, even if you don't have money to contribute to, to the work that Home Sweet Home does, we ask for prayer support, right? That's something that everybody can do, every person of faith can do, is be praying for the people that we're trying to help, be praying for my team of people who are working so hard to provide that assistance, uh, and be praying for our community to come up with solutions to, to address the problem of homelessness, of poverty, of food insecurity, housing access, all of these things, just praying for those situations and, and the people who are caught up in them. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since we were founded, remember on Thanksgiving Day in 1917, we have relied on the community to support us through volunteering and through donating mm-hmm. uh, to support the work that we do. Uh, And so those are key ways that you can be involved. Yes, once a year, signing up to do Night in a Car is a big deal, (laughs) right? That's very helpful. Yeah. Um, But guess what? We we provide these services 365 days, 366 days in leap years, right? We do this all throughout the year. And so we always need and are always looking for people who are willing to get involved with us as volunteers, who are willing to... Respond to one of those pieces of mail that we mail out to you, and and send us a donation. Yeah, um, and and to make a, a a habit of that, to make a 
have that be part of your hmm. active partnership yeah. with Home Sweet Home. I write a lot of thank you notes to people, right, who make donations to us. Um, and one of the things I say very frequently in those, donate, uh, those thank you notes is thank you for partnering with Home Sweet Home. Mm-hmm. That $20 that they send in, that, that, that $50 that they send in, the $100, whatever it is that they've sent in, that's active partnership in delivering all of these services and everything that we've been talking about over our conversation, um, supporting that through a financial donation is an act of partnership. Mm -hmm. That's actively being involved. Mm -hmm. But so is volunteering, helping uh, sort the groceries in the the co-op, helping cook the meals in the kitchen, helping welcome people to the junction. All of those are different ways that people can get involved Mm -hmm. and be part of Home Sweet Home. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. I I think that sums it up well. There's a lot of ways, and I think that's a call to action for employees here at NewsBomb as a whole, not just you know our quarterly when we give away as a company, but individually, how can we participate in this? Yeah. And to look out for those home sweet home bins. I think I'll keep that in mind next time I see them. You see two bins next to each yeah. other quite frequently. Yeah. And so to remember uh, that about home sweet home, that it goes directly towards home sweet home in Bloomington, area yeah and hudson illinois and newsbomb were very connected to bloomington normal and then yeah, yeah. all those other facets you know i think uh, another thing if people are on social media we we have a, mm-hmm. a facebook uh and instagram accounts mm-hmm. uh follow us help us amplify our message mm-hmm. right we talk about things that we do we we ask for help mm-hmm. on some of those things periodically through our social media mm-hmm. presence. And, and so even just doing that and helping us amplify that aspect of messaging mm-hmm. can be a way that you are involved and yeah. in, in participating in our work. Yeah. And you may learn some things just as you went through your journey yeah. and experienced um, transformation um, that we can all, yeah. we will probably learn something through the experience. Yeah. And so I think that's a, a valuable part of it too. Um, we have a game we like to play. And at the end of this episode, we like to wrap up with hot takes. All right. So you ready for a couple hot takes? Sure. Let's give it a shot. Okay. So these will be controversial. Some people agree. Some people don't. This first one's a wild hot take that I don't know where you're at with it. So maybe you might agree, might not. Ketchup is a smoothie. Ketchup is a smoothie. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't like smoothies and I don't like ketchup. So by that reasoning, I think ketchup is a smoothie. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> you don't like smoothies either? No, they're, I, I, yeah. you know, I mean, call it a milkshake. I'm, right. I'm, I'm there for a milkshake. Yeah, not a smoothie. <laughs> not a smoothie. Get that out of here. Smoothie King <laughs> doesn't know what's up. Okay, Nike is the best sports brand. What do you got on? Uh, I don't have Nikes on, so I think uh, it. They're, they're probably most iconic, I sure. would say. Yeah. Most iconic. Yeah, yeah. But you disagree with that? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Apple Music is better than Spotify. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. I'm a, I'm a Spotify free guy, too. Oh. So I, I'm of the generation that doesn't mind listening to commercials still. Yeah. So. It, you save a good a bit of money, too. I mean, it's yeah. $10, $15 a month. So. The variety on Spotify is pretty good. It is. Yeah. And you can also listen to this podcast on Spotify. So well, there good. you go. Also Apple Music. But pineapple on pizza is overrated. Pineapple on pizza should be against the law. Against the law. Yeah. 
It's an yeah. out, outbreak. It, it's an outrage is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. So remember, I grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. And, and real pizza to me is, is thin, chewy crust that you fold over to eat. Yeah. That's, that's and, the real stuff. And you never put pineapple on that kind okay. of pizza. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, makes sense. A real <laughs> flat pizza. Get that pineapple out of here. That's right. This last one. God doesn't want to restore lives. Oh, that couldn't be more wrong. Hmm. I think uh, we can be assured that that um, God, that Jesus, is all about restoration and restoration of our lives and reconciliation with Him. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hope for all who enter. That's right. Yeah. Hope for all who enter. Yeah. That's a good. That's a slogan for all of us, not hmm. just home sweet home. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's been something that I'll walk away with is meditating on that. Hope is for all who enter and thinking about those verses in Romans 12, 4 through 5. Yeah. Been really helpful for me. So, yeah, thanks again for joining. Oh, this has been fun. Good. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, glad Sorry you Sorry my throat it. dried out so many times, <laughs> but, uh, you know, hopefully that wasn't too distracting. No, it wasn't. Yeah, so really thankful for you and uh, for our, yeah, partnership with you yeah. and Home Sweet Home Ministries, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really do appreciate the partnership. I mean, Nussbaum is such a such a strong partner and supporter of Home Sweet Home um, that it's just s- such a fantastic arrangement. Yeah, that's good. I'm thankful to hear that. So that concludes our episode, episode 109. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay purpose-driven and own it every moment. Hey everyone, this is Caleb from Newsbomb Recruiting, and I'd love to answer any questions you have about driving with us. Give us a call at 309-268-1199 or visit newsbombjobs.com. Hope to talk to you soon. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast of Newsbomb Transportation. If you're enjoying our content, please leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word about these important topics and invite more people into the conversation. You can rate and review us on your podcast app or visit us online at terminalexchange.org. New episodes arrive every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow Newsbomb on your favorite social media platforms and be the first to know when new episodes are released. Thanks for listening. Until next time, own every moment and stay purpose-driven.